Unwrap your gift now, but pay later. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Put no money down, no payment, and no interest for up to 24 months. Our elves work year-round, installing in as little as a day. Offer ends December 31st. Visit PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, important things first. Mike Spaulding. We have good news and bad news on your struggles. For people who've been listening over the last week or two, there are two types of people in the world one is the type of person I am. When something breaks around the house, you call something to fix it, to come in and fix it. The other type of person is the person that says, you know what? I'm reasonably handy. I can go to YouTube. I can check this stuff out. I am going to, I'll take that effort. Well, all right. So I was telling a story a couple of weeks ago about how our, had a part that went bad on our dryer and I called the guy. I, I would never occur to me to fix it. Guy came and I was just amazed at how complex it was because to get to this little bearing, you had to take the whole dryer apart. I mean, take the whole dryer apart. We're talking 32 nuts and bolts and we're talking about the, you have to take off the drum and take all this stuff. And I'm, I'm just watching this thinking, Oh my goodness. Are you able to put it back together again? And the guy put it back together again. It was fixed and it, it, it was perfect. And I, I wrote a, a, a check for this. Now, Mike Spaulding, my buddy here, had a problem with his dryer. It would not turn. And rather than going the, the Wagner route, he decided he's going to take it on himself. Same thing. You took the dryer apart, took it apart, got all the replacement parts I thought I needed, diagnosed it online, watched you, a lot of YouTube. Right. Did that. You ordered the parts. And so, when, when we last spoke at the end of last week, you were waiting for the parts to come um, that you had ordered. So they arrived as scheduled uh, on Friday afternoon, went to put the dryer, gave ourselves a weekend. We had a wedding to go to Saturday, so the worst thing to do is rush yourself through a project you don't know what you're doing with. Anyway, long story short, last night got home and went to put it all back together. Everything went fairly smoothly. It was about a two-hour or so investment. So you got the you got the part in. You you say okay that you took out what you thought was the bum part. You put this one in, and then you went through the process of being able to put everything back together. Which, if you've ever taken apart a dryer, I'm sure is quite a project. Because again, I I just saw this whole dryer schedule uh, smattered all across my um my laundry room floor. Yeah, there's a a few parts. The problem is everything is like big and clunky and loud. You know, because it's all just like aluminum on aluminum. So your tools every time you. One slips out your hand, you drop it. it. It the world, you know, sounds like it's ending. Yeah. Anyway, got it all put back together. Wife, very helpful. And which you are happy. You have solved the problem. So you happy. Plug it in. All right. It's you have accomplished this. You could come in on the radio and say, "See, Jeff, I was able to do what you had to write a check for. I have accomplished this." But I would be wrong. <laughs> I was not able. To, well, okay. So we got everything put back together. Looks great. End up turning it back on. Still doesn't spin. Still makes a real loud screeching noise. So. I'm going to go the uh, Jeff Wagner route and write a check for it as well. <laughs> so, so you gave it, you gave it a try. You gave it the old school try. You diagnosed this, and whatever it was, whatever your diagnosis was, wasn't what the problem was. the The silver lining is that our dryer on the inside and the hoses and everything have never been cleaner. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it is, looks like it's brand new in there. The only problem is it doesn't work very well. All right. Well, but see, and, and so that is the update on that. So, I mean, I think it's a to me, it's a glass is half full thing. I mean, the good news is you were able to get it all back together again. And I think you do really get an A for effort. You gave it a try. 
you know, you you did all this stuff. You were able to put it back together again. So you you get you get points for that. As a football coach would say, I'm happy with the team's performance. We left it all out there on the field. We put the game plan was solid. Everything went as it should. It just we didn't get the win in the end, and that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> right. It it all worked out well until you threw that interception on like fourth and goal. Got it. Okay. Well, I appreciate you appreciate you sharing that. And again, a lot of our a lot of people who listen, I get I see this feedback. They're very impressed with you for for giving it the old school try. Well, I really appreciate it. And if anyone has any good advice on uh, how to do anything else. Please let me know. Shoot me a nice email. Love to hear from you. But you're, but the dryer you're moving on to professionals. You're not taking the dryer apart again. Right? Yeah, I go again the uh, the experience level of a one to five. I'm at like a a four, maybe a maybe a four and a half. But uh, I like to stick around the uh, things I can see. I'll I'll try and do. Yeah, there you go. Works for me. Okay, let us get started. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. Now I, I understand that this is in the list of the, the hundred biggest issues affecting your life on any given time, this is this is probably like a number of thousand. I, I understand that. But nevertheless, it's interesting to me on a couple different levels. The show Good Morning America. Now and this happens to be my wife's favorite morning show. So in, in the morning when we wake up, that will she'll turn on Good Morning America. So that that happens to be you know, it's with George Stephanopoulos and Robin Roberts and um, uh, Michael Strahan. And, and you know, and I, I don't I don't watch a lot of news in the morning because I'm getting ready to do the radio show and I have my different sources that I use. But it, it's on in the background. So you have Good Morning America, the, the basic show, which is two hours. And then they have a third hour of Good Morning America, which interestingly runs in the afternoon. They, they call it GMA3, but it, like, for example, it's on ABC right now. If, locally, it's it's on Channel 12 right now. This is Good Morning America. And it's a, it's a third hour of the show. The show, the third hour of the show, is hosted by um, Anthony, let me see, Amy Robach and T.J. Holmes, who they're the host, and, and they've, 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 they've appeared over the years on Good Morning America as well. I don't really know them that well, but they're, they're, they are the hosts, and it, it's again, it's it's a very very popular show. What happened is about a week or so ago, they were outed because apparently they have been having a torrid love affair. They are both married to other people. Um, they're apparently separated from those other people, but for all intents and purposes, it appears that this affair that they were having. Um, started before they were separated. It's a little bit unclear when exactly it happened, but it it sounds like they've they've been getting busy for for at least a, a while, and um, they have been, like, for example, sent on on company remotes and things like that while they were having this affair. And apparently, the the executives at ABC did not know about this. So the affair gets disclosed in some of the tabloids last week. It is not against ABC does not have a specific rule saying that that on air people can't have affairs. I mean, I'm sure there's all sorts of rules with regard to, you know, if you've got a, a superior subordinate sort of relationship or something like that. But that's they're they're co-workers. They're, they're co-equals. It's not like one reports to, to the other. So this affair comes out and initially ABC says, well, they didn't violate any office rules. We're not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to discipline them. We're not going to do anything to them. Uh, today, they've announced that the, these two anchors have been suspended. 
and they've been suspended indefinitely. They're they're off this week, and it's unclear when or if they're they're coming back. The ABC says we've, we're taking them off the air because we we want to assess this. We were surprised. We did not know this was going on. And the reports are coming out that um, apparently some of the, like Robin Roberts, who I, I like a lot, she apparently became aware of this a while ago and was unhappy with what was going on. And she had told him, you guys got to knock this off. And so a couple of like some of the bigger stars were unhappy that these two were having an affair. But now they have been removed from the air and their, their future is up in the air. It could be they're going to be back next week one of them could come back. The other one could come back. You don't exactly know. But ABC is concerned enough about this to pull them off the air. One segment on this. I'm just intrigued. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. I guess here's my question. Does, does anyone care? And, and I don't mean care about the, the idea, well, I never watch Good Morning America. I don't care. But in today's day and age, the fact that you have two people – who work together. Now, admittedly, they're in a, a, a public sort of thing. They're, they're on TV. But the fact that you have two people who apparently have been having th- this affair that's not in violation of any of the company rules. Now, I, I mean, obviously, you know, ABC is concerned that there's going to be people who, oh, my gosh, did you hear that these two were having an affair? We're upset with this. We're, we're not going to watch the, the show. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is a WTMJ talk and text line. You know, maybe 30 or 40 years ago, this would have been scandalous and, and might have, you know, resulted in the end of somebody's career. But in today's day and age, the fact that, OK, these two people who are co-hosts of a TV show and it turns out that they're having an affair with each other um, that started either while they were still in marriages or after they were separated. You don't know necessarily exactly what the timing is, but r- regardless of the timing. Does anybody really care nowadays? Are people not going to watch Good Morning America because of that? If anything, could you make an argument that people might, more people might watch Good Morning America to see these two who are apparently having the clandestine affair? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. Should ABC have pulled these people off the air? And again, keep in mind, they didn't, as near as I can tell, they did not violate any company rules. It's not like a boss and a subordinate. They were they were coworkers. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We discuss in a moment. You know, right or wrong, there was a time when when two married people having an affair was absolutely scandalous and could have. Um, I, I think, you know, been, been career enders. I, I don't know that in 2022 that's this time. We're, we're talking about the, the story that's been breaking. Good Morning America, their third hour. Um, it's on, as a matter of fact, it's on right now. But it's not on, it's on without their regular hosts, T.J. Holmes and Amy Roback, because it was revealed last week that the two of them, who are married to other people, have been having an affair. And um, now they're separated, but it appears that the affair started before they ended up getting separated, if that makes any difference. Originally, the folks at ABC said we're not going to do anything, you know, because they, they haven't violated workplace rules, as, as far as I can tell. But they announced today that, nope, they're, they're off the air. 855-616-1620. Jeff, nobody should care. They met each other. Maybe they found their soulmates. It's no big deal good for them jeff it's sort of like joe and michael on msnbc um uh you know 
Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, um, I see these stories on the news tabloids or a teaser for AT, uh, for Entertainment Tonight, and you're right, I couldn't care less. Between these are the Cardassians, you know, um, or how many kids somebody has fathered, etc. Jeff, nobody should care about what happens. If you plan on getting your morality values from anybody in the public eye, you've got larger problems. Jeff, I don't care at all. Jeff, maybe they have a morals clause in their contract. Maybe, but um, again, at least last as of last week, ABC News wasn't wasn't concerned about this. They didn't violate workplace rules. Jeff, I really think this is none of anybody's business. And here's the flip side of this. One of our texters says, absolutely, we care. This shows poor judgment and cheating on their spouses shows what type of character they possess. Jeff, this sounds exactly like the TV series The Morning Show which is on Apple TV, very good if you haven't watched it. I have not watched the whole thing, but um, I know my wife has, and I, I've seen episodes. I guess my take on this, when, when I saw the story, is I, I guess I, I find it difficult to believe that, that people would care about that. I mean, to me, from an employer's perspective, and, and look, I'm, I'm not condoning cheating on the spouses. That, that's not it. But stuff like that happens. And I guess the question is, does that affect their work? Now, it might be that, you know, ABC says, okay, well, given the fact that these two are in a romantic relationship, maybe it's best if we were to split them up. And and maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe figuring, okay, you know, given the fact that these two are a couple, do we really, from a workplace perspective, do we think it's a good thing to have a, a couple? Um, um, and what, what happens if they break up? You see, that's, that's the issue. That's There's many problems with workplace romances. You know, a lot of times it comes in a situation where you have one of the parties has power over the other, and that almost never ends well. And the other situation is, okay, you've got this couple, but what what happens if, you know, we figure that we have to, you know, discipline him or her? How is the other partner going to react when it's more than just a business sort of relationship, when they're the romantic relationship? So, I mean, I can very easily see why ABC might want to reconsider this. Hey, look, if you guys are in this relationship, that that's that's great, but we don't think it's good for you to be working together. And so maybe what we have to do is figure out, you know, how to how to adjust that. But from the perspective of the viewers, would I be less inclined to watch the TV show because, gee, these two were having an affair? I guess my reaction is, you know, no, it 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 wouldn't make any difference to me. One of our texters says, well, Jeff, you got to keep in mind that ABC is owned by Disney, and this isn't good for the Disney um, aspect of it. Well, I, I think you know, m- maybe again back in the fifties, I'm I, I'm not sure it, how that that sells me. Disney Disney puts out all sorts of movies involving you know Hollywood celebrities who have been you know married or carrying on or whatever. Jeff, I think this goes to trustworthiness, especially if they are news anchors. While it's no one else's business, it does affect their public persona. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think, I I get all that. Jeff, to me, it does damage their credibility on some of the stories they have covered. They have covered others who have had affairs and they have made comments, rolled their eyes, etc. I think ABC should think about changing who and what they cover. I don't care about the affair, but I can't take them seriously when they cover, say, uh, Trump and bring up issues on, you know, his affair while he was married. Well, that is one of the factors that you kind of compromise yourself. This isn't a Matt Lauer type of situation where the allegations were it was something other than consensual. I, I think the biggest problem is is not that people 
wouldn't watch the show. It's more like from business standpoint, if you find out that, okay, again, like I said, you've got these co-hosts who are in this affair. Um, what, what do we do? Is it good to have that situation? You know, because again, what, what happens if we, what happens if we want to make a switch? What happens if we say, Amy, we love you, but we don't love TJ. Well, no, no, no. He's my, you know, he's my life partner, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it complicates things when you add romance to that business relationship. My guess is one or both of them are back on the air, and I don't think there's any basis for getting rid of them. But if you wonder where they are this week, well, that's that's why, because it turns out that uh, there was stuff going on behind the scenes. Got a lot of great stuff on today's program. Don't go anywhere. Okay, we need your help. We are right in the middle of our annual WTMJ Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas campaign. You know, this is where we try to raise money and we go out and we buy toy and then we go out and we buy toys for kids in need. Well, help children in need from Wisconsin enjoy the holiday season as WTMJ partners with Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas. We are raising money to purchase toys for kids in our area. Every twenty five bucks. Every twenty five bucks that you donate helps two kids celebrate the season. Let us see how many kids we can help. A friendly, and it is friendly, competition is underway amongst all of us on our WTMJ shows. Which show will help the most kids? Here's what you do. Two ways to do this. Text the words KIDS, K-I-D-S, to the WTMJ Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620, and you'll, you'll get the information. It's actually a link to our website, and you can choose which show you'd like to donate on behalf of. So we have done this before. If you go to WTMJ.com, you'll see the Kids to Kids this Christmas thing, and they'll have the, the various shows, Graffiti Show, Morning News, Afternoon News Show, and my news and my show. And what we do is we ask you to make a donation, 25 bucks, 50 bucks. 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks, whatever you can do, um, that would be wonderful. And donate in the name of one of the various shows, and then we have our own friendly competition as to who, who raises, which show can raise the most money. But the important thing is it is a wonderful cause. Help WTMJ help children in need with Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas. Again, you can go to WTMJ.com. You can click on the banner, get the information, or if you just uh, text the word KIDS, K-I-D-S, to 855-616-1620. You'll get, the again, the information how to do it. Donate 25 bucks. Donate 50 bucks. Um, it, it really it doesn't make that much difference to me You know which show you choose, although I'd appreciate it if you do it under mine just because we've got the friendly competition. But the bottom line is if you can see fit to donate, that's the important thing. A couple of people texting in. It, it it could not be easier. If you if you want to know the easiest way to contribute to our Kids to Kids Christmas campaign, all you have to do is text the word kids K I D S to eight five five six one six one six twenty, and then it, it'll take you right to a link on our web page, and it's got the different programs that are up there, and it's your chance if you got your credit card or PayPal or whatever. Twenty five bucks gets toys for two kids. Fifty bucks gets toys for four kids, etc., etc., etc. And again, we do a little bit of friendly competition between the shows. Um, if if you don't want to do the text thing, you know it's it's easy. Just go online wtmj.com. You can't miss it. It's the big banner headline, and then you click on that, and they've got the different shows and things like that. And like I say, we 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 do this just as kind of a 
sort of friendly way to encourage us to encourage you to donate. But the important thing is that uh, we get some money, raise some money for Kids to Kids Christmas. And if you've ever seen what this does and, and seen how important this is to really take underprivileged kids and help make their Christmas a little bit special, you understand what, a, what an incredibly worthwhile cause this is. Okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a, a huge controversy involving the milk meltdown of people who were trying to buy tickets to see Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift has a, a new concert tour that's coming out. I think her first, it's 52 shows, and her first show is like mid-March in, in Arizona, but it's going to be 52 shows. So a couple weeks ago, like on, the, on a Thursday, the tickets, they, they had the pre-sale for the tickets, and th- how they typically do this is – for people who belong to like fan clubs or you know have a certain type of credit card or, or whatever, you get a code so you can go in for the pre-sale and you have a chance to buy tickets before the tickets become available to the general public. Like the the pre-sale might be on a Wednesday and then Friday the tickets get are available to the general public. Now keep in mind she's doing fifty-two shows, fifty-two shows. Um, the total number of of tickets that apparently were available were about 2.4 million tickets. So that, that's the total number of tickets to the various shows. So that, that's the universe of tickets that's out there. If you don't care, you just, I want to see Taylor Swift, and I don't care if I'm going to see her in Orlando, Florida, or you know Los Angeles, California. Those are the universe of tickets. All right, now Ticketmaster went out to, like, try to create these, uh, again, the, what they call the verified fans, the, the, the fans that, that got the pre-sale stuff. And according to Ticketmaster, there were 1.5 million verified fans. So in theory, what would happen is if the verified fans each went on to the, the website and tried to buy one ticket, now people don't just buy one ticket, you know, th- there would still be, Tickets left over. All right, so 1.5 million verified fans, 2.4 million total tickets around. The number of ticket requests that they received on the first day, 3.5 billion. 3.5 B as in billion um, that were there. 3.5 billion requests. And what happened was the whole notion that that, that it just crashed. So you had all these people who supposedly were verified and they you couldn't get through or you waited hours and hours and you didn't get in or you got in and you tried to pay for the tickets and the thing bounced. It was a, a complete and total mess. And part of the reason that it was a mess is because People beyond the 1.5 million verified fans were able to get access to this. And one of the things Ticketmaster was trying to do is, first of all, keep away that keep out the bots, you know, the the, the robots, the automatic dialers that, that get in when they're not really connected to a, a person. Part of the thing that they were trying to do also is uh, prevent resales in the secondary market because, like, the ticket brokers and stuff, they, they would get in, and then they would buy a ticket for, like, say, $200, and then immediately that would show up in the secondary market for, like, $2,000. So now the headline in the Washington Post is, Swifties Sue Ticketmaster, saying it messed with the wrong 
fan base. More than two dozen fans are suing the company, alleging fraud, misrepresentation, and multiple antitrust violations after the ticket sales debacle for Swift's Eras Tour. The 33-page complaint on behalf of 26 plaintiffs across the United States details several aspects of the sale that Ticketmaster botched, from the verified fan pre-sale codes to the wait times on the website. So in other words, demand grossly outstripped the supply that they had. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. Now, this there's no question. This whole thing turned into a cluster. It, it, it did. And you had a lot more people who were trying to get tickets than there were tickets available. I mean, seriously, 2.4 million tickets available, 3.5 billion requests. I mean, you just do the math, and whether it's like verified fans or whether it's regular fans or whether it's other people who aren't verified fans but somehow you know a verified fan gave them the ticket access so this is my code you go in and you try to get tickets as well it, it the demand far outstripped the supply and now people are turning and they're starting to blame ticketmaster my question is is there really anything that ticketmaster could have done to prevent this when you have these huge concert events and when you know that there is a viable secondary market, so the ticket resellers or people who think that they can resell the tickets themselves on eBay, they're going to be doing everything they can. They're not necessarily the fans, but they're going to be doing everything they can to try to get the tickets so they can resell them at 10 times what the face value is or 50 times the face value. I guess, is there anything Ticketmaster could do to prevent something like this from happening? And... Are the fans partially to blame for paying money in the secondary market? I mean, if there wasn't a secondary market, if there weren't people willing to pay $10,000 or $5,000 for a face value ticket of 250 bucks, well, if there wasn't as much demand out there, maybe this wouldn't happen. Is this a problem with Ticketmaster or is it a... Just a, a problem when you've got these really hot concerts and it's got to recognize this is just the nature of the world. 855-616-1620, we discuss. Look, I, I'm not necessarily a fan of Ticketmaster. Forget necessarily, I'm not really a fan of it. But when you have one of these hot concerts and it's it's not like... It's not like it was when I was growing up as a kid where if you wanted to get tickets, you'd have to go down to the Sears store and stand outside and in line outside the Ticketmaster thing or go to the box office. Now this is all done over the Internet. So this lawsuit says the company intentionally provided verification uh, codes when it knew it could not satisfy ticket demand. And millions of fans waited up to eight hours and still were unable to purchase tickets. Well, okay, is that is that the company's problem? The company says, okay, you can sign up for this verified thing, but then you still got to get in line. Seems to me the real problem here was that there was just so much more demand than there was availability. And if you're going to be mad at Ticketmaster, why aren't you mad at Taylor Smith for Taylor Swift for for only? Doing 52 dates, maybe she do, she should do you know 500 dates or whatever to make more room for for the fans. And I'm no love, I, I do not have a love of for Ticketmaster, but the, the bottom line of all this is the demand just far outstripped the supply. How are you going to equitably distribute it? Let's start with Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. I say rage on Taylor Swift fans. I think that. Ticketmaster is a very messed up organization who does business very poorly in, in a lot of different ways. My friend Mike was trying to get 
tickets for his daughter to the Taylor Swift concert, and he said he saw tickets that were going for $25,000 a piece. Mm-hmm. And I've had issues with them in the past with trying to get U2 tickets um, when I saw prices going for $10,000 a ticket. And I think that the whole pre-sale thing is just asking for trouble, and they need to stop stop doing that. So how and would you do I'm it? Okay, that so you're, you're – Jeff, how, I'm just I'm curious. Okay, so you are – Okay, Taylor Swift, they're rolling out the tickets for this 52-city concert thing. Um, You want to start selling tickets at 9 a.m. tomorrow. How would you do this knowing that you're going to have way more people that want to buy tickets than there are tickets that they can buy? How would you do it? Well. Well, for one thing, if you're going to sell tickets, sell tickets, and don't don't mess around with this like pre-sale thing where only certain people can do it. And um, what I would do is, is eliminate the whole pre-sale thing and then separate the availability by location in order of when the concerts occur. Like for example, if Chicago um, is going to be first, then open up that sale first, and then if Denver's going to be on sale, then do that one, and a, a couple weeks later. Okay. Well, then let me ask you the follow-up. Okay, so let's say. Let's say you've got the Chicago show is going on sale tomorrow, but because of the internet, would you still, if you still allow internet sales, so then you have, I don't know, you have a million people that apply to try to buy tickets for that. I mean, aren't you gonna, aren't you still gonna have the same lines and the same waits and the same people who, you know, are complaining that they, I, I got online, I got bounced out or whatever. I mean, if, if the concerts are that popular, how do you fairly distribute the tickets? Well, you're still going to have wait times, but they're not going to be as bad if you separate them by location. Because if I'm buying tickets to Chicago, I'm not going to waste my time, you know, trying to get get tickets for another location that I have no intention of buying the plane fare and stuff like that. Yeah, no, thanks. Oh, maybe, maybe, but I, I mean, see, I get the I get the sense that a, a lot of the people that were trying to buy tickets here, they weren't necessarily the fans. It's because there's this huge secondary market that's out there. So what they're trying to do is they, they don't they don't care. They don't want to go to the show. I mean, they, I mean, I, they, what they want to do is they, they want to get the ticket. Hey, I've got this ticket. It's, it's $500 face value or whatever, but I know I can put it up on one of these other sites and I can sell it for $5,000. I mean, I guess for the, these really hot things, I'm not sure – rolling out ticket sales on different days necessarily changes the dynamic any maybe, maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong let's talk to john and muskego john you're on wtmj hey jeff thanks for taking my call hi how do you how do you deal with this i mean they're the fans are suing ticketmaster and i understand why they're upset but is this a problem with ticketmaster well i have two thoughts uh first of all I've dealt with this problem 20-plus years ago at Ticketmaster with the crashing, uh, trying to purchase tickets for a fish New Year's Eve show at Madison Square Garden in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a student at UWM at the time, and it was a Saturday morning, and the computer lab was completely empty, and three of my friends, we went down there and turned on every computer to try to pull tickets, did not get one ticket, system crashed. Event sold out. Two or three weeks later, we got a phone call from Ticketmaster saying that they had our ticket order in queue, and do we still want to purchase tickets? Yeah. But it was not open to the public. So this has happened in the past. How do you stop the scalpers? Well, it's very hard. Yeah. Um, what you can do, what people out bands have done in the past, obviously on a smaller scale, not Taylor Swift Stadium style, but if you pr- they print your name on the ticket, match your ID on the way in. Yeah. One ticket per person, or you get the wristband, but... That's for three or four thousand people. Yeah. We have sixty thousand people going to an event. Yeah. Um, 
if yeah. you just can't get everybody through the door in time. Yeah. No, thanks. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, part it, of the process. It, it is. No, thanks. And, and keep in mind, for everybody, that, and, and again, it sounds like I'm launching this like full-throated defense of Ticketmaster. I, I, no, I just, I don't know that what they did was, was illegal or the basis of lawsuits or fraud or, or whatever. The problem is you've got 2.4 million tickets and you have demand that far outstrips that. Like I say, they had 3.5 billion requests. Now, again, I appreciate that. That's probably that. That's not all people, obviously, or that's you know one person with multiple things. And obviously, there's bots that are trying to do this as well. And you do the best you can to try to limit that. But when you have these really, really hot events, I, I don't, I don't know how you eliminate wait times. I, I don't know. You know, our, our caller Jeff said, well, maybe you'd be better off not having the verified the, the presale and just opening it up to everybody. Well, it would, seems to me that that might be an even bigger cluster simply because then instead of 1.5 million people trying to, to get tickets at 9 o'clock in the morning, then you've got, you know, however many, you know, more million people trying to get them. It, it's... <laughs> I guess part of the thing is, you know, don't maybe maybe don't be as popular. You know, one of our texters says it's my understanding that Ticketmaster reassured Taylor Swift that they could handle the volume. Um, she asked them about this up front. Um, I assume the Ticketmaster had a very distorted idea of what they were handling. And she said, I'm a 63 year old Taylor Swift fan here. I, I, I think that might be the case. I think it's. Demand for something like this is just unprecedented. When I hear 3.5 B as in billion requests, they did sell 2.4 million tickets in that first 24 hours. So they were able to get people with tickets. And again, unfortunately, not all of those people are fans. A lot of them are probably the resellers that are just there to try to make more money. I guess I'm I'm looking at this lawsuit, though, and I, I wrestle with the idea of how do you how do you solve the the problem and and from the perspective of the artist and to an extent ticketmaster i mean their their job is to sell tickets the expectation is the artist the artist wants them to sell tickets now obviously in a perfect world you prefer it go to fans but at the end of the day i mean what, what does ticketmaster care whether I buy the thing the ticket or that somebody else buys the ticket they just care that somebody buys the ticket don't they uh, Chris in New Berlin. Chris, you're on WTMJ. How you doing? I've got the simple answer here. Technology is easy enough. Just make the tickets non-transferable. Taylor Swift has enough fans that they will sell out with people buying them because they want to go. Understand, if you're buying the ticket, it is non-transferable. You are going or you will eat the price that they'll still sell them. And there is no secondary market, so put it at a good price and only the fans buy because only the fans can go. Right. Or if there's a secondary market, it's severely limited because if I buy four tickets, you've got to go with me. <laughs> you know, you, 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 yeah, you've you've got to go it. with me, right? Yeah, you, I've, got, I've got to show right. up with my credit card or my driver's license or whatever and have those. Um, is it in the interest? I'm not even talking – not even, not even talking driver's license. I don't care about ID. It's just that you cannot physically transfer tickets. The delivery mechanism has to show up. This is the scan and the only scan that will work. Mm-hmm. I don't care who owns it. Don't need an ID. You just have to scan this code. Is it in the in- is it in. is it in the interest of the promoter to do that though? I mean, if if it should the promoter. Why does the promoter care? And I say this just is a kind of an open question. Why does the promoter care? Whether what happens, who it is that buys the ticket, don't they just care that the ticket gets sold? Most prom- 
owners won't care because they're trying to sell out. Yeah. You've got Taylor Swift who wants to care about her fans, and there are enough of them they will sell out anyway. Then she looks to, to be the great person and the appropriate pricing for the tickets and really looking out for her fans, and they'll sell out anyway. Yeah, now what you're saying then is an artist who's perhaps less popular, maybe you wouldn't do something like that because maybe people wouldn't go through the hassles. And they're not the ones crashing the system because they're not in the highest demand. Yeah, interesting. Thanks for calling. Interesting point. Um, I don't know where this lawsuit's going. Candidly, it doesn't seem to have a lot of merit to this. One of my frustrations is somebody who goes to, uh, over the years, has gone to lots and lots of concerts. I I appreciate this when you get the hot acts. Now, I'm I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan, and this we're talking like three billion requests, but this happens all the time. You know, the Buffett tickets, when Buffett was touring a lot, go on sale, you're in line, you wait, and then all of a sudden, boom, you get bounced out of it because uh, there's – the people have, have gotten in ahead of you. They've purchased the tickets. And then you turn around and you see the tickets that you wanted to pay 250 bucks for, which was still stupid money. Then you see them on sale for $2,500. And that's your choice. Do you want to go to the concert? And in which case you got to pay somebody $2,500. Over the years, I've decided I'm not going to pay 2500 bucks. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. Mike, you will perhaps appreciate this. Um, so yesterday afternoon, I went to, I, I was sitting at a tavern with m- some of my very dear friends, Evan and Mike and uh, Dick, and we're watching the Packers game. Mm-hmm. And there's about, like, God, it, it, the, the bar was not particularly crowded. There's maybe 10 or 11 people in. Then all of a sudden, side door opens up, and a guy dressed in a Santa suit walks in. And then another guy, and then another guy, and pretty soon there's like 20 Santas that are in the bar. And this was part, I guess, like last Sunday is part of these like Santa bike rides that they have. Yeah. And this was all these people that go from bar to bar riding bicycles that that came in and just kind of like took over the bar in the middle in the first half of the Packers game. And it, you you've never you never lived, I guess, till you've been sitting there and all of a sudden say, and, and you watch the, like the bartender who's. You know, the, the eyes just get big, like, okay, now all of a sudden I've got 20 people dressed in Santa suits who have just walked into the, the place. I hope they're all ordering beers is probably what they're thinking. They Please were, don't be ordering cocktails. Right, they were ordering <laughs> pitchers of beer. That was the thing. Give me three or four pitchers of beer and stuff. But I, I never wanted one to, like, let an opportunity go by. If you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 before they leave, I said, we got to get a picture of this. So there is a photograph on my Twitter site of me dressed in my Green Bay Packers sweatshirt with about half of the Santas. I mean, we could only get like 11 or 12 of the Santas like crammed in, but there were really twice as many as that. And my, my note says, who's the guy in the Packers sweatshirt? I definitely did not get the memo. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, it's like, oh, my gosh. It was, it was actually kind of fun. And they, were, they, they, they said it's a bike ride. And I'm like, okay, like Harleys? Or no, no, no. They, they were on bicycles, which was probably good because I think – I think the cocktail lounge, the tavern I was in, was probably like the first stop they made. My guess is, as the afternoon goes on, you're probably glad they're on bicycles instead of like motorized things. Yeah, I think there were these going on across southeast Wisconsin, yeah. the Santa Rage, Santa Rage Ride or something along those lines. Yeah, it was, I saw numerous reports of a horde of Santas riding bicycles across southeast Wisconsin this weekend. And, and they were, uh, at least there was, a dozen, close to two dozen of them were in the cocktail lounge I was in, but it really was funny. I'm like looking at the bartender who's like, oh, okay, this is, you know, I, I can handle, I can handle 10, 12, sure. 15 people that are in the bar watching the Packer game, but all of a sudden I've got all these people coming in and, and the Santa stayed for about 15 minutes and, 
Um, then they, they gave the two-minute warning, Santas, we're moving on to the next one, at which point in time I stand up and say, Santas, assemble. I, I want I want this for the WTMJ website. So We appreciate you, the clicks, Jeff. If we you, appreciate the clicks. If you follow me on Twitter, again, um, <clears throat> it's Je- it, it's um, at JeffWagner620. You can see me. I'm the guy in the Packers sweatshirt with a whole bunch of, of Santas. So I thought it was a I thought it was a great one. Um, one of our texters says, "Were they shined up?" Well, it was early. <laughs> now, now I don't know how many different bars you go to and how many pitchers of beer you drink, and there were a whole bunch of them. But the, don't know what the Santa ride looked like at five o'clock. Um, but at at twelve o'clock, not too much. All right, we I, I wanted to kind of ease into this, so our first hour was maybe a little bit lighter than some of the stuff. It, but there's some really serious things going on. We have I, I don't have the 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 official thing is is based on, like, the Milwaukee Police Department. They've got these crime statistics, but it's always a couple days behind. We are at 200 or more homicides in the city of Milwaukee, and and we still have, well, several weeks to go before the the end of the year. We've never hit 200 homicides before, and the the most recent homicides that are at least being reported from over the weekend, they're, they're not that there's a good homicide, but th- these are bad. You have a 16-year-old boy who was killed Saturday night, um, kind of near South Division High School, near 13th and Lapham. Happened around 9:30 at night. Police say the boy died at the scene. Uh, no arrests have been made. Investigators looking into what led to the shooting. So, 16-year-old killed 9:30 la- on Saturday night, and then you have the story yesterday morning. Woman was killed at 10 a.m. Um, near 107th and, and Wabash, you know, in, in Milwaukee. It was a gas station about 10 a.m. Um, she was killed unidentified. Police are still trying to figure out who the shooter is. And then you have the story from this morning. 16-year-old Milwaukee boy. So this is, by the way, the second 16-year-old in the last what, 48 hours or so, who's been murdered. 16-year-old Milwaukee boy was killed in a shooting Monday morning, December 5th, near 91st and Silver Spring. 16-year-old Milwaukee boy was killed in a shooting on Monday morning near 91st and Silver Spring. Police say the shooting happened around 2.30 a.m. Officials say the incident started on 95th and ended at 91st and Silver Spring, where the car crashed. The 16-year-old boy had fatal gunshots, wounds, and was pronounced dead at the scene. Investigation is ongoing. Milwaukee police looking for a a shooter. But as happens so often, there are so many homicides in the city of Milwaukee, and the police department is just so overwhelmed that will they be able to clear a case like this? Who who knows? Their, Their clearance rate is down, but it's down not because the detectives aren't working really hard. It's down because there's just so many murders. But this this is a 16 year old kid. 91st and Silver Spring, who is murdered. Now, there's lots of dazzling details about this, but it happened at 2.30 in the morning, 2.30 this morning. So Sunday night, Monday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning. Now you have this is as near as I can tell. It's still it's still a school night. Right. You expect kids that are going to be in school today. I don't think it's an off day for anything like that. But regardless What is a 16-year-old kid doing out on the mean streets of Milwaukee at 2.30 in the morning? This would be a horrible story if it was a 26-year-old person or a 36-year-old person or a 46-year-old person. But this is a 16-year-old. 
This is the second 16-year-old in a 48-hour period who's been murdered, and this is now not an uncommon thing. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. You know, we we often ask rhetorically the question of of where are the parents? And and sometimes I kind of roll my eyes because, you know, that's – I think sometimes it's unreasonable to expect parents to know everything their kids are doing. But at the same time, you think back to when you were growing up. Would you be allowed out on the streets, you know, on a, on a school night? Regardless, forget school nights. Regardless, you're 16 years old. It's 2:30 in the morning, and you're on 91st and Silver Spring, and, and you're dead. That's just the reality of this. Law enforcement can only do so much. Obviously, you want to find it, who it was that shot this kid. You want to bring them to justice. But the larger issue is. Do, does the community in general and parents in particular, do they have more of a responsibility in trying to stop their children, stop our children from being in situations which are obviously dangerous, which start out, I mean, I used to joke around. I rarely do this anymore because, unfortunately, it's not amusing. Used to say nothing good, Wagner's Rule of Life number four is nothing good happens outside a strip club at two o'clock in the morning. That's true. But now, I mean, you got 16-year-olds. There's nothing good at all that's going to happen to a 16-year-old who's on the streets of Milwaukee at 2.30 in the morning. There's nothing good that's going to happen. There's no reason for these kids to be on the road. When we had the shootings down, you know, in kind of in the Deer District or outside the Deer District on Water Street last summer, you know, we had the we had the big, we had the mayor, and I like the mayor. We had the police chief. I like the police chief. You know, all out there saying, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to start enforcing curfews. You know, we've got these 10 p.m. curfews. You know, we're going to start holding people accountable. And nothing, nothing has happened since then. Do we need to be more aggressive in getting kids who should not be on the street off the streets? Because, I mean, if this 16-year-old wasn't out at 2.30 in the morning, he might be alive today. 855-616-1620. This, to me, is, is what we talk about with the broken windows theory of law enforcement. It's the aggressive stuff. It's let's enforce the curfew violations. When we see these kids that are out on the street or hanging around or whatever, let's let's pull them in. Let's bring them in. Let's take them wherever. Let's hold them. Let's call the parents. Let's expect them to be picked up. Because allowing kids to run the streets in situations like this leads to stuff like this. How many more young people have to die before we realize we, we've got to do better? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. I am, it's just aggravating. It's just aggravating to see story after story after story like this. But it, it's happening over the weekend. Multiple new homicides, at least three, maybe more, but at least three, two of them involving 16-year-old kids. And the one this morning, yes, this morning, Sunday night into Monday morning, 91st and Silver Spring. And for those of you who are not familiar with the area, um, Silver Spring, one of the major east-west thoroughfares. If you want to get from Glendale or the North Shore over to Wauwatosa, I mean, Silver Spring is one of the major alternate routes that you would use, along with Good Hope and Hampton and then you know, going further south, maybe North Avenue or whatever, 91st and Silver Spring, 16-year-old kid, out at 2.30 in the morning. He was shot on 95th Street, ended at 91st and Silver Spring, where the car crashed. Fatal gunshot wounds, pronounced dead at the scene. And 
obviously they're doing the investigations. But but my question is, what was this kid doing out on the street at two thirty in the morning? And whenever we talk about crime, one of my solutions is, first of all, we, we need to go back to what they call the broken windows theory of law enforcement, which is little stuff matters. And if you deal with the little stuff, then, okay, maybe you stop some of the big stuff from happening. So I, I ask, again, rhetorical. so how does that work in a case like this? Okay, you've got this 16-year-old who's out violating curfew, all right? Well, all right. When the police find these people who are out at 2.30 in the morning in violation of curfew, you pull them over, you take them in, you call their parents, and you get their parents out of bed in the middle of the night, and you say, okay, we're holding him until you show up down here. You get these kids off the street. And if somebody had done that, if they had found this kid at, at 11.30 or 12 or 12.30 or 1, who knows, he might be alive today. And then what you do is you you issue the tickets. Remember, again, last summer after you had the shootings on Water Street, we had these big press conferences, oh, we're going to enforce the curfew. And when last I checked, there were like a dozen curfew tickets that had been issued. Um, Jeff, we've got to enforce the truancy laws first. Mandate that parents meet with school administrators, teachers. I believe it's time to employ, to empty, to use empty MPS schools for boarding schools. These kids need supervision all day and night. You have to get them off the streets. Um, um, well, that's it. Jeff, you know, judges in Milwaukee have refused to refer these kids to juvenile facilities in northern Wisconsin. And a couple of years ago, um, it became essentially a, a death sentence to be, you know, on the street for some of these kids. And, and that's sort of what you are looking at here. Jeff, there's too many single moms out working and no one supervises their kids. Well, I, it's 2.30 in the morning. I mean, seriously, it's 2.30 in the morning. How punched out do you have to be to, to not know where your, your kid is? Now, I understand from time to time, you know, maybe the kid sneaks out the bedroom window and things like that. But let us be honest. That's not what happens in the majority of cases. We don't hold the parents responsible and we don't hold the kids responsible. And if if this story about the 16-year-old being shot and murdered in cold blood at 2.30 this morning, if that proves nothing else, it is that we do not do anybody a favor by not being aggressive and trying to get these kids off the street. That's just the reality of this. Jeff, it's time to charge the parents in these cases. It's clear that the parents are negligent, not knowing where their kids are. This needs to stop. Well, I mean, you've got these curfew laws, and and there's a way that you can at least start to find the parents, but we don't do that. We just talk about it. Jeff, where was the 16, why was the 16-year-old out at that time? I, I have no answer. I have no answer to you. And look, and I understand I grew up in a different time. I, I get it. But that still doesn't explain why it is that we just take this as, as a normal. Now, the, the shooting on Saturday night, you know, that was 930 kind of by South Division High School. I, I don't know what the circumstances that led up to that were. But, I mean, 930 on a Saturday night. Okay, when I was 16 years old, I was out at 930 on a Saturday night. But when I was 16 years old, there was no way in God's green earth that I was going to be out by, you know, running the streets with my buddies or whatever at 2.30 in the morning. My parents wouldn't have put up with it. My friend's parents wouldn't have put up with it. But we apparently tolerate this stuff now, and we're seeing the results of it. Young people, teenager after teenager after teenager, you know, 
doing nothing but getting into trouble, whether it's this case, it's a murder, or whether it's out there stealing cars or leading the cops on high-speed chases or blowing through red lights and slamming into trees and killing themselves or killing other people. you got to get kids off the streets. Kids do not belong on the streets unaccompanied by minors at 2.30 in the morning, and we do not do them a favor by allowing them to run the streets. And that needs to be a priority. And again, we get lip service from this, but nothing ever changes. As rates and inflation still rise, how will the markets react? How much will a recession impact employment and earnings? Join our very own Steve Scafidi and Annex Wealth Management's president and CEO, Dave Spano, as they walk through expectations for the new year in a virtual webinar on Thursday, December 8th from 1 to 2 p.m. That would be this Thursday. Inflation, bull markets, bear markets. Have all your 2023 financial questions answered on our virtual webinar presented by Annex Wealth Management. And then a quick reminder, you can text the word KIDS, K-I-D-S, to our WTMJ Talk and text line, 855-616-1620, or make it easy for yourself. Just go to our website, WTMJ.com. This week, we are doing a week-long radiothon where we are raising money for the Kids to Kids Christmas campaign. And 25 bucks helps two kids, 50 bucks helps four kids. You can go to our website and you can see the various shows, the morning news show, Scafidi show, my program, and Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Click on Donate Now. And, and again, what we, we have a little friendly competition to see who raises the most money. But the important thing is for people to donate for this wonderful cause. So go to WTMJ.com, click on my picture, and you know send us $25 or $50 or $5,000. That would be wonderful, too. It all goes to a great cause. We live in a strange world nowadays. Now... I've mentioned this before. Over the last couple of years, there's been lots of investigations and comments regarding Joe Biden's kid, Hunter Biden, who, as I have described, he's Hunter Biden, in my opinion, is is a grifter. Right. He's a guy who traded on his relationship with his dad and his name to get all sorts of money out of all these foreign corporations or these foreign foreign companies for stuff that they would have never hired him for if he was not named Biden. And it's been the subject of multiple investigations, and my guess is there'll be another investigation as well. So far, no evidence suggesting that um, Joe Biden got anything from this, but um, there'll, there'll be an investigation, I guess. that. But right now, there's no evidence of that, other than the fact that the kid is a creep and a grifter. All right? I think that's established. Um Before the election in 2020, there were all these reports out there about Hunter Biden's laptop that was surfacing. The New York Post was writing stories about this. The mainstream media, pretty much beyond the New York Post, decided that they they were not going to print these these stories. And as it turns out. Well, the, the stories were pretty much valid, that you know, this was a, Hunter Biden. This really was his laptop, et cetera, et cetera. So Twitter, with the takeover of Elon Musk, Twitter, which, of course, stopped, you know, wouldn't report that information as well. You know, now it, it's coming out that, you know, Twitter made the decision to do that. And, and we know that that was a that the, the information was by and large. It was accurate. And, I mean, it raises questions on Twitter, I think, about, you know, whether there were insiders at Twitter who tried to misdirect media coverage. I think it's an issue about whether Twitter at the time failed to live up to its mission to, um, you know, share ideas without barriers. Um, I think, you know, there's questions about, 
you know, the, the whole Hunter Biden thing raises issue about, again, the, the honesty and the forthrightness of the mainstream media. You no, know, did they unfairly suppress these stories? And, you know, that that's that that's all that, that's out there. I mean, I think those are fair sort of questions. But those are, of course, you know, in any given election, you, you go back and you look at at coverage and you say, OK, was this fair or not fair or where there's a media bias or whatever? You talk to people about Hillary Clinton in 2016 who will say, well, if it wasn't for James Comey, you know, reopening an investigation into, you know, Hillary Clinton um, and the laptop that her um, Huma Aberdeen had, you know, if, if it wasn't for, you know, that, that, that she, she would have won. That, but the thing that when James Comey did that a couple weeks before the election, that called question, into question that. And so you, you always have these, these various questions of things that are out there. So you're, you're now, you know, Twitter is now coming forward and there's, I think it's fair to say that, okay, you know, maybe Twitter unfairly suppressed this sort of information and they, they, they should have treated the story more seriously, but some media outlets did and other media outlets didn't. And if you're going to argue that media outlets wanted Joe Biden to win instead of Donald Trump, I'm certainly not going to argue with you. But I, I think Trump's problems went well beyond that. So anyhow, you know, Donald Trump, who is running for president again, his new campaign, it's not getting a lot of traction. And I think it's it's been a bad few weeks. He's not raising money from big donors. The campaign announcements kind of fall in flat. You know, he's having dinner with announced, you know, white supremacists and Kanye West, who's a, you know, an admitted anti-Semite and things like that. So over the weekend, you know, in light of what's come out on Twitter, Donald Trump takes to Truth Social, which is his now media platform. And this is what he, he says. So with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception in working closely with big tech companies the DNC, and the Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner, meaning himself, or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Then he follows up in capital letters, unprecedented fraud requires unprecedented cure. Let me go back to one of the previous sentences. Do you throw out the presidential election results of 2020 and declare the rightful winner, or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Even those found in the Constitution. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. Uh, The Washington Post has a story where they say, pause to take this in. The former and would-be future president has suggested suspending the Constitution in support of his belief that he won the election and that its results are subject to change. A man who took an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution has now hijacked our great founders in the service of his megalomania. 855-616-1620. That is a WTMJ talk and text line. Now, look, I, I, I freely acknowledge that I'm a never-again Trumper, all right? And I, I think... 
that if Republicans want to win in 2024, they, they need to move on for Donald Trump. I have said before, I think there's a better than even chance that he doesn't make the primaries in, in for a variety of reasons in 2024. But you, you've got the man who's the former president of the United States who's now tweeting or at least putting on social media the fact that he thinks that we should suspend the Constitution in order to return him to office. I guess my question would be, at long last, is this clear evidence that he has lost his mind? And when people hear this, I mean, how can anybody support something like this? It seems that as we get farther and farther from the 20 and 20 election, Donald Trump becomes more and more deranged because only somebody who is deranged would suggest that, okay, we need to now suspend the Constitution. Am I missing something? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. Now, I think it's fair that this whole controversy involving Hunter Biden, who I consider to be a, a grifter, I think it, it's fair to say uh, the, the way Twitter handled the whole Hunter Biden laptop story from a couple of years ago and the way the mainstream media sort of decided we're not going to run with the story, although some places like the New York Times and to a lesser extent, the Wall Street Journal reported on this. I, I think it's, it's fair to say they, they did not cover themselves with glory in that. But let's face it, that's not that's not the reason why Donald Trump lost the, the election. That That's just not and and even if it were okay well that 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 happens all the time where you get the media that decides to cover certain stuff or not cover certain stuff that that's just that's the kind of reality so for him to come out over the weekend and and really caught my attention is a massive fraud of this type and i'm not sure what the fraud is and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules regulations and articles even those found in the constitution and he's saying, well, we either need to we need to throw the presidential elections out and declare him the rightful winner or have a new election. And, and this is this is I mean, this is the sort of stuff you hear when it's 1230 at night. You're in the bar and there's the crazy guy at the end of the bar who's kind of like talking to himself and anybody else who might listen. I mean, seriously, this you wonder what's going on in Trump world. Let's talk to Steve in Sussex. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. I hope you're good today. I am well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Well, as a guy, as I was telling your screener, I did not vote in 16 for Trump, and I'm conservative, diehard conservative. For this very reason, I thought Trump was egotistical, kind of crazy, kind of out there. However, I do believe that during his term as president, he did a lot of good things from a conservative standpoint. And therefore, in 20, I did vote for him. We can talk all day about, you know, elections and and the oversight and different things about that. However, right now, I think the guy has kind of lost it. I'm pretty sure he is no longer with it. I think we have a great guy in Ron DeSantis and Mm -hmm. possibly other people as conservatives right now. I think it's time to move on. However, I just do want to... During his term, regardless of, like I said, I did not vote for the man in 16. I thought he was a nutcase then. He did do good things. And I think it's it's all right to acknowledge that, 
but it's time to move on. Yeah, yeah, th- right. Thanks for right to to me that this isn't a conversation about the things you've accomplished. But I think if you, you know, and I, I've said this before, you know, Trump is his own worst enemy. If if he had been at least a little bit gracious about like the loss in in twenty twenty in November of twenty twenty and, and and not gone on the tirades that led to January 6th, and, and not the, this increasingly crazy stuff, he may well have positioned himself to be the, the, the front runner. But everything he has done has just marginalized himself more. And I think there's lots of people out there, I, at least I hope there's lots of people out there, that when you have, you have the former president of the United States talking about how he believes that we should essentially terminate rules, regulations, and articles found in the Constitution to order him to be returned as the president. That, that's, I mean, we're talking about, we're on the crazy train. There, there's just no question, you know, we are on the crazy train with this sort of stuff. And, and, and maybe, maybe what you're seeing is as you become increasingly less relevant, and you find that okay, that you know, I, I used to be able to draw. You know, if I, I if I'd be riding down the street, I, I'd have five hundred or a thousand people, and now there's like like five or ten. I mean, one of the things that this always happens when you're just kind of outrageous is you you need to continue to be more and more outrageous to try to attract attention. And so, I mean, may, maybe that's the idea. Now, I always say to people who say there's no such thing as as bad publicity, you've never had bad publicity. And I guess I, I just don't I don't know how. Coming out and saying, I think we should suspend the Constitution. I mean, the Constitution doesn't apply, and they should frog march Joe Biden out of that Oval Office and put me back in. It's almost, again, it's it's derangement that, that's out there. It's just derangement that's out there beyond how you feel about the whole Hunter laptop story, which, again, I, I think that the mainstream media did not cover itself in glory in the way that particular thing was handled. But that's not why Donald Trump lost the election. 855-616-1620. Jeff, Trump lost bottom line. I hope he's arrested for tax fraud and evasion. Um, yeah, um, right. I, I think there's, you know, an, an element of that. Uh, Jeff, we know you're a never-Trumper. Well, I'm definitely a never-again-Trumper. Trump, never Maybe he is losing his mind, but Trump was right on a lot of things. He's exposed a huge level of corruption at the FBI and DOJ within our own government. I will be voting for DeSantis in 2024. Well, my point is, for conservatives, there's lots of there's lots of other options that are going to be out there. Why do you need to go down this route? Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How Hi, are Mike. You? Good. What do you think? I pretty much agree with everything you've said. Um, if he's not on the crazy train, he's waiting at the station because <laughs> it is just unbelievable. Um, and, yes, I mean, he did do a lot of good things, but he, the more he comes out with this stuff, the less people are going to remember that and remember this. Yeah. And thank God we have Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley because – I absolutely do not want to see, you know, Joe Biden or another Democrat, God help us, Kamala Harris in there. Yeah. But, I mean, I could not vote for Trump. I mean, I no. pray that Ron DeSantis wins the uh, primary. Yeah, no, no, thanks to call, Mike. There are, there are all sorts of really good choices that are out there, whether it's Ron DeSantis or we, Tim Scott, who we had a chance, I had a chance to meet him a few weeks back, and we had him on the program, and, you know, Tim Scott and, and Nikki Haley. There, there's all sorts of other options that are out there people who aren't i mean look i I always say everybody everybody comes with baggage 
but you hope they pack light. I mean, Donald Trump's back. And this is, again, I, I you know, I, I understand because I still hear this. I didn't see him winning in 2016. And I know that there are some of you who continue to remind me, well, you don't know what you're talking about when you're talking about politics because you didn't realize that Trump was going to win in 2016. My only defense was almost nobody, including Donald Trump, thought they were going to win it, that he was going to win in 2016. So that, that, that's my defense of that. I continue to believe it's better than 50-50 that because of a variety of things, including the fact that he can read polls as well as anybody else can. And when you see that you're you're losing overwhelmingly, and, and right now you know, he's losing most of the matchups to Joe Biden by 10 or 15 points, that, that's not going to, to change. And flirting with anti-Semites and having you know dinner with uh, white supremacists, that's not going to bring more people over over to your cause. And I think a lot of the fundraising stuff from the big donors that that's ended up, you know, drying up. And I see I don't see how you come back from any of that. So I firmly believe that by the time, you know, a year from now, when the, the presidential election is really underway, that you, I, I think Donald Trump's going to find some reasons, whether it's maybe it's external things like getting indicted or whatever. That's, I guess, a possibility or whether it's just he comes to the conclusion that he's not going to be able to win or get the nomination. So he tries to you know, back out, finding whatever reason he can. So I, I think it's still better than 50-50 that he's not going to be there. But this type of stuff is nuts. And and I guess even the most diehard Trump supporter who might think that, well, Joe Biden is a crook and Hunter Biden is a grifter and all these sort of things, even the most diehard Trump supporter, if, if you see the former president of the United States who's now out saying we should suspend the Constitution because I, I want to be reinstated, that that should scare everybody, for goodness sakes, because, look, our Constitution is imperfect. But, you know, what happened in the 2020 election, there's sure no basis for saying, OK, we're going to suspend the Constitution based on this. And the, I guess the quicker people move on from Donald Trump, I think the better it's going to be for everybody. I suspect that what you're going to see is more increasingly out there sort of stuff as he struggles to remain relevant, like King Lear, just like screaming into the thunderstorm and stuff like that. But I I don't know. I honest to God don't know where you go after you've come out and called for the Constitution to be suspended so you can be reinstated. What where do you go from there? And I like Mike's comment that if he's not on the crazy train, he's certainly waiting at the station back with more in just a minute. Boy, this is an example of fame is fleeting. 2018, Baker Mayfield, who won the Heisman Trophy quarterback playing for Oklahoma, was the number one draft choice in the NFL. He played for Cleveland for four years. The reason you, you most people found out about him was that he was heavily featured by Progressive Insurance. He was one of their their, their spokespeople, and then he did he and his wife did all these commercials about like at home with Baker Mayfield where they were like living at the Cleveland Stadium and stuff like that. It was this huge promotional campaign, and they paid him an absolute fortune. And again, number one draft choice. Well, he played for Cleveland for four years. Cleveland dumped him last last year. Cleveland dumped him. He ended up going to Carolina. Carolina, which is a hot mess, Carolina has just dumped him. And so... Four and a half years after being the number one choice in the NFL draft choice and being, again, enough of a poster child to get all these commercial endorsements and stuff like that, he's back out on the street again. And it's just, 
Again, all fame is fleeting. And for anybody who forgets that, Baker Mayfield is the latest you know, object. Now, my guess is somebody's going to pick him up and he'll get another chance somewhere along the line. But you want to talk about damaged goods. He's damaged goods, and it happened almost overnight. I don't see Progressive Insurance running any more Baker Mayfield commercials. Or if they are, he's going to be looking for a new home. All right, we've got a lot of stuff coming up in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Do not go anywhere, please. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right. Time Magazine every year comes out with a person of the year. This used to be a big deal Nowadays, I think people kind of say, okay, well, who really cares about the person of the year? Who cares about Time Magazine? Which I don't even know if they print Time Magazine anymore. I don't know. It it might just be an Internet thing. But in any event, they are going to announce Time Magazine's person of the year on Wednesday on the Today Show. Now, we always say this, the, the person of the year, it's not necessarily the person who did the most good things. It's the the person who was you know, um, had, had the greatest impact on, on world events. So it's not necessarily good or, or bad. It's just the person who had the impact. So what I want to do in advance of what's going to happen on Wednesday is I want to give you a chance to weigh in on who you think the person of the year should be. Now, I'm going to give you the finalists when we have this discussion, as far as I'm concerned, you don't have to be limited to the finalists that Time Magazine is coming out with. This is like the WTMJ person of the year. You get to make your choice. Here are the candidates. Elon Musk, um, he won last year. He's been nominated once again. Last year he won because of Tesla and SpaceX. Um, This year he's up there because of the purchase of Twitter for 44 billion dollars um let's see the other finalists um xi jinping who is the chinese president i think you pronounce it uh, xi this year um he's in there because china once again clashed with the u.s over taiwan um recent protests in china over their COVID theory so he's one of the candidates the u.s supreme court is up there for person of the year um, I think largely because of the decision in June to overrule Roe versus Wade. So Supreme Court collectively is there. Liz Cheney, outgoing Representative Liz Cheney, captured the attention of many Americans as she became the face of the House Committee investigating the attack on the Capitol. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky shoots to international fame while ferociously defending his country against a Russian invasion. Mackenzie Scott, um, who's giving away a large chunk of her fortune. She's the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon. So you've got that there. Um, protesters in Iran. Protests have swept across Iran since mid-September. Um, so protesters. Ron DeSantis, Florida's governor, has surged to the top of the Republican Party star list and is involved into something of a foil for Trump. Of course, Ron DeSantis cruised to re-election in November, winning Florida by about 20 points. Janet Yellen, she became the first female secretary of the Treasury in 2020. And um, 
she's been at the height of, again, everything that's going on with the economy. And then gun safety advocates, um, people pushing for safer firearms. Okay, those those are the nominees. Those are the potential nominees. But I don't want you to be limited by that. My question to you is, and again, when we say person, we're, we're, we talk about, they talk about things collectively as well. It's not necessarily any one individual gun safety advocates, for example. Um, you've got the uh, the Supreme Court, which would be, you know, nine people. So uh, 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. Let's get ahead of Time Magazine. And a couple of our listeners say that they have, they do still publish Time Magazine. Shows how long it's been since I've bought a magazine on the uh, newsstand. 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. Who do you think should be the person of the year? I actually think that this one's pretty easy. But who do you think? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. Okay, um, Time Magazine next uh, day after tomorrow is coming out with its person of the year. And again, person can be a collective sort of thing. Uh, my question is, who do you believe the person of the year should be and why? 855-616-1620. Uh, let's see. Jeff, I think it should be, Jeff, with the economy doing so well, in the opinion of at least some people, I think it should be Janet Yellen. Huh. I'm not sure what economy that they're looking at, but that's it. Jeff, to me, I think it should be the NRA. Jeff, I think it should be Vladimir Putin. Now, this is an interesting one. Putin is not on their list of finalists. He started something in Ukraine and has thrown the world into chaos between the energy chaos of the war he started, uh, the chaos of the war, and so far no one has been able to effectively stop him. He might not be a good person for person of the year, but he's definitely a terrible sort of person. Jeff, my persons of the year would be the survivors of the Waukesha Christmas Parade. Uh, yeah, I guess that would be 2020, even though the, the attack happened in 2021, one of our texters was saying, Hey, if we were going to do local, I'd say judge Jennifer Doro would be my person of the year for the way she handled the whole, um, trial. Let's see. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I would say it would be, um, Elon Musk for everything he's done with Twitter. All right. Let's start here with David in Caledonia. David, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. I got a unique one with a, with a plus and a minus perspective. I believe it should be the Second Amendment. Uh, the good reason is obviously we as a country have the right to bear arms, and which protects us against uh, uh, countries, for example, China, where you can't have arms. And so you, if you try to do an uprising, you get killed or locked up or Canada or Japan, who have now banned arms because of all the mass killings, whereas the bad, obviously, is all the mass killings that we have had in the United States. So it's had an impact on our country, the Second Amendment, both as a positive and as a negative. Yeah, uh, thanks, for And I, I guess there, there's always, you know, that that's one of these sort of evergreen things that you could always, you could always talk about. The, I mean, I don't know that the Second Amendment is, for example, the, I don't know that that's kind of the person of the year, but I mean, there were years where you, you had the, the survivors of gun violence and things like that. And I'm not downplaying any of that, except that I think that if you're trying to identify some of the seminal events that occurred this year, that's not one that's going to make the list. Elon Musk. Well, I think Elon Musk, 
aside from the fact that he was named two years ago, I mean, I think that the takeover of Twitter is certainly something. Uh, Xi Jinping from China, eh, eh. the Supreme Court, I think you can make a strong argument for that because the decision to overturn Roe versus Wade had so many different impacts, not just not just the decision itself to reverse like a 50-year decision, but also the effect that that decision had on the elections, where from the perspective of, of Democrats, that, that was the issue. I mean, that was it was, look, you know, we need to protect abortion rights, and the only way you can do that is by electing Democrats. So it wasn't just, if you wanted to make an argument for the Supreme Court, it's not just the idea that, hey, they reversed Roe versus Wade, but also it is the effect that that, that had. And if you want to, like, localize it, regardless of how you feel about this, you have the fact that um, – you know, candidly, you, you have now abortion for all intents and purposes it is illegal in states like Wisconsin. So if, if somebody wants to get an abortion, you've got to travel to Minnesota or you've got to travel to, you know, Illinois. So you've got the political upheaval. You've got the, the personal issues that are caused and you've got, you know, reversing one of the seminal decisions. I could see that. Liz Cheney, I think that's probably a little localized. I mean, I think that it's, I think a little bit narrow. For that, Mackenzie Scott, I don't know, protesters in Iran, I don't think so. DeSantis, clearly, I I think DeSantis is clearly somebody I could understand where that that would come from, but I think, I I don't think DeSantis' time has come now. If DeSantis, a a year from now, um, has emerged as, as the face of the Republican Party, or two years from now, he's elected as the next president of the United States, which I think is certainly a possibility, um, I think you've you've got that options. Those are all going on there. Jeff, I think for better or worse, I would say it would be the Supreme Court. Understand that. Uh, let's talk to Michael in Lake Geneva. Michael, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Okay, who should Time name as their person of the year? Uh, I was a subscriber to Time magazine for about 35 years, and I kind of understand the dynamics that go into the choice. Right. And it's not always pretty. And Vladimir Putin should, uh, he has kind of tilted the world on its axis. Yes, there's a lot of things affecting just us in the United States, the Supreme Court, etc. But Putin has absolutely changed the, the dynamics of the economy, uh, not just here, but certainly over in Europe. And certainly over in uh, the, uh, uh, you know, in, in the mm-hmm. entirety of Europe, in China, in India. I mean, he has really set things back badly for a lot of people. And it's, as I say, it's all for the, the ugly reasons. But he's the one who has really carried the right. most influence in the world today. Well, because nobody, and I understand what you're saying, because you could make the argument that, that none of none of this other stuff happens like for example Volodymyr Zelensky Zelensky as a president of Ukraine doesn't emerge if it wasn't for Putin and his aggression towards Ukraine for example exactly everything to Putin is reactionary look at the uh, you know what's happened to uh, oil gas natural gas um, again the lifestyles over in Europe it is all initiated by a madman sitting in Moscow yeah no thanks for calling I and I um and that's, again, using the criteria the time uses, which is for better or worse, 
an, an individual or a collective group of individuals who's had the greatest impact on the world. I can understand where that comes from. Um, Jeff, I think it should be Queen Elizabeth just to honor her long tenure as queen. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that's gonna, I don't think that's going to happen and she wouldn't be on my list. All right. The overwhelming choice. And we're swamped with uh, this. Um, here's one. Originally thinking the U.S. Supreme Court, but people are making really good arguments for Vladimir Putin. I, I think, and, and this is, I guess, if I were, let, let's put aside the, the time list for a second. They're, they're finalists. If you were to say to me, okay, Jeff, where, where does this go? Name an individual who you think deserves to be person of the year. To me, this year, and some years are kind of tough, and I understand some of the arguments, but to me, this year, I, I think it's clearly, you know, Zelensky. Um, th- you know, think back to when the original invasion of Ukraine occurred. Was it February or early March? The, the general thinking was it, it's it's going to be a three- or four-day war. I mean, the, the Russian military is going to move in, and they're just they're going to be viewed as conquering heroes, and they are going to take over the, the country. And um, I, I think that that's not what played out. That that's not how it happened. And and I think that the fact that you know he he is the the face. And it's and, and look, I under, I appreciate that what's going on in Ukraine is much different. It's it goes well beyond Vladimir Zelensky. But but he is certainly the face of this embattled country defending itself uh, against a a Russian. Invasion, you know, and I think it's the green shirt, the tough, no nonsense the, uh, demeanor, um, his reassuring addresses to the Ukrainian people, and the fact that what you have is that now Ukraine appears to be turning the tide, and and not only wasn't Russia able to take over the country, but now you have Russia being pushed back on all these various fronts. So I think if you are asking me to pick a person, and I understand the argument for Putin, and I think that's compelling, my three finalists would have been Putin, it would have been the Supreme Court for the reasons we've talked about, but if I had a choice and I had a vote here, to me it would be the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, who candidly, I think... And and this might not accurately reflect who Zelensky really is, but he has emerged this year, at least as the face of a, of a free Ukraine, the person who's providing the inspirational leadership to his country at a time when I think a lot of people thought his country was just going to get swallowed up by the, the Soviets. And, and that's not what happened. And I understand some people don't like Zelensky. I, I get it. I understand that. But I think this year, if you were asking me somebody who, like, stands out as, again, the the face of Ukraine fighting overwhelming odds and succeeding, to me, I think it's Zelensky. And so I won't be surprised. To me, this is this is an easy one. Putin and the Supreme Court would be number two and three in one and not necessarily in that order. WTMJ. There is a um, line in the Beatles song Revolution where it's if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you're not going to make it with anyone anyhow. Uh, I kind of thought about that line when I saw this story. There is a um, school, Virginia Elementary School, that is now going to be hosting something called the After School Satan Club. Yes, you you I, you did not mishear me. That's what it's called. So I guess here, here's what happens. Because the school 
allows organizations to rent out its facilities for after-school sorts of things, and in, in they have in the past allowed churches to do that as well. They, they're under an obligation. They, they can't say, okay, well, because you're a Satan club, we're, we're not going to rent this out. So they're, they're obligated to do that. Okay, and, and people are bent out of shape about that. So this the Satan club has now, according to the local Satanic temple, do we have a local Satanic temple? I if we do, don't want to know. Anyhow, the local satanic temple is now renting out the the um, they're going to rent out the the school um, afterwards, at least a room. The satanic temple is a non-theistic religion that views Satan as a literary figure who represents a metaphorical construct of rejecting tyranny and championing the human mind and spirit. That's what they say. I, I have no idea what that means. None at all. None at all. After School Satan Club does not attempt to convert children to any religious ideology. Instead, the Satanic Temple supports children to think for themselves. Okay, so they're going to rent this out, and they're going to invite kids that come there. I understand, because of the law, they've got to let them rent it out. Here's, here's the bigger point, though. Who in their right mind would allow their elementary school child to go to the After School Satan Club? So I mean, here, here's the. I mean, this is the story. It's not so that they that they can't rent out the room. It's that any parent who allows their child to attend something like this that that's one where you want to say, okay, maybe we need to call child protective services because the problem is if you're letting your kid go to this craziness, well, you you've got all sorts of problems, and you know I don't know what you're setting your kid up for down the line. So it's not that they they can't they shouldn't be able to have the club meetings if they want to rent the room that's fine. But who in their right mind would send their child? Hey, what do you got coming up after school? Well, we've got Joey that's got basketball practice, and we got Johnny that's on the debate club, and little Joni wants to go to the after school Satan Club. Ah, little Joni, I don't exactly think so. Why don't you stay home and let's let's help put ornaments on the Christmas tree or something like that. Just saying. After school Satan Club. Who lets their kids go to it? And I don't care if they're offering punch and pie. You don't send your kids to the after school Satan Club. Nothing good is going to happen from that. Welcome back. So glad to have you with us. What we're going to be doing over the next couple weeks leading into Christmas and, and New Year's is we're not going to spend entire every three hours of every show doing this, but we are going to look back into I don't, the, the year that was and, and some of the different things that we've done. And uh, that's why we're talking again about the person of the year in the last segment of the program. Uh, the Nielsen. Um, Nielsen services, and of course, Nielsen, they, they do radio ratings, they do television ratings, and they do streaming ratings as well. And they keep track of, okay, what are the most watched shows? What are the most streamed shows in, in a given year? And they're out with their new list of the most streamed. Now, we're, we're talking streaming as opposed to watching over you know, basic cable or over broadcast TV. So they're talking about the most streamed shows and movies in 2022. And there's a couple interesting patterns that are developing from this, including the fact that if you look at these numbers and you look at the ratings, Americans, number one, like crime, and, and number two, Americans like, like science fiction. And the, you, you certainly can see that on the shows that are 
being streamed. So I thought one of our things as we move towards the year in review, and as people know, I'm a big fan of pop culture and things like that. I want to devote a segment or two to talking about what we are watching. So here is my question, and this isn't this isn't over the last ten years. I want you to think about this year. What was the show? That you watched, and I guess, you know, we can talk about streaming or we can talk about basic cable or something. What was the show, the movie, the series that you streamed and or watched the most? What was your favorite show of 2022? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. And I have in front of me, I have the list of like the, the top 15 and some of them were like regular shows. Some of them were like limited shows. Some of them have been around for a while. Some, it was a first time. But your, the show that you either watched or streamed or watched and streamed that you enjoyed the most in 2020. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. Back to discuss in just a moment. going to be an interesting segment. Um, we're, again, we're, we're doing sort of a year-in-review thing, and Nielsen is out with its most-watched streaming shows, and this is, July was the first time ever where the number of shows being streamed, the, the ratings exceeded both broadcast and cable. Uh, by broadcast, I mean over the air. So, okay, what what's the... What's your favorite show of 2022? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Chris in Whitefish Bay. Hi, Chris. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, you know, I, I had a couple shows. The one that really stood out for me was Severance. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really well done, and I'm really looking forward to the next season. But then I'm also an admitted Star Wars geek, so watching Andor and Obi-Wan Kenobi also falls right into my uh, uh, wheelhouse. You know, we have a lot of uh, texters who are who are Star Wars geeks as well, including a couple people who say, I'm in my 40s, but I still can't get enough of Star Wars and things like that. So both the Obi-Wan Kenobi one and Andor are getting a lot of love, on at least on my text line here. Yeah, and now with the uh, release coming up of Mandal- the next season of Mandalorian, I'm sure that's going to only increase for those of us in that age uh, demographic, unfortunately, that I'm in as well. But yeah, those and Severance, and I know it kind of uh, it went from 2021 into 2022, but Squid Game yeah. um, was something that I watched in 2022 that I loved. Yeah, they, they say they might be bringing that back, not this year, but maybe in 2023 or maybe 2024. Hey, let me ask you this, because I have... I have not kept up with the Star Wars canon. I mean, I saw all, all the movies and stuff. Is it tough? Is it tough to get back in them? I mean, if I wanted to sit down and binge a show, would I be lost if I tried to to do that? No, not at all. These pretty much stand on their own. Yes, there are some nods and, 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 and Easter eggs, as they call them, to throwbacks from the originals with some of the characters, some of the scenery. But um, if, if I were you and you were starting out, I would go first for Mandalorian. Um, the one thing that I've noticed is that it just these these types of series take a while. If you're used to the Star Wars movies that are wrapped up within right. a three-hour time frame, uh, this is different. This re- the stories get really extended and much longer, so it's a slower pace overall because they need to fill you know a, you know a season's worth of, uh, of material. Yeah, no, thanks for going right exactly. So that's that that that's always the thing. It's like and the, part of it is 
it just the number of things are, are just so overwhelming that that are that are out there. I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the shows that I streamed this year on on Hulu. They had the um, Tommy and Pam, you know, which was like the real life thing about Pamela. Um, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, the drummer. I ended up watching that. The one I've been watching lately is the uh, the Chippendales one, which is like a. It, it's on. I don't know if it's Amazon Prime or Peacock or or no, it's or, or Paramount. I forget which one it's on. But that that's right now. It's about the kind of the history of the development of the Chippendales, and it's it's kind of a. You know, it's it's really a sort of a soap opery thing, but I get caught into this stuff, and then then I'm then next thing I know, I'm spending three hours of my life watching the darn thing. Let's talk to Steve in Grafton. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Steve. Hi. My favorite is uh, for all mankind on Apple TV Plus. Okay. That that's a that's a science fiction one as well, right? Yeah. So what if the Russians Got to the moon first. Okay. The man on the moon first. Yeah, I'm. Uh, no, thank. Uh, I like it it, yeah, go ahead. I like it because it has the alternate uh, past, and they have to keep winding, weaving in people, uh, you know, who really did something. Right. They have to kind of give them something else to do in the alternate history. Yeah. No, thanks. That's I. I, I have not seen that. Um, I, I haven't watched it. My the, the one I. The one I want to get come up with next that's on Apple TV is I want to watch um, Slow Horses, which is it's it's based on a, a book. I've read a couple of the books, and it's it's based on all these kind of like spies who've all screwed up, and so they're all it's sort of like the they're they're the they're they're the slow horses as opposed to the fast horses. And I I read the I read a couple of the books, and that that's on Apple TV, and they're just dropping the second season soon. Okay, I don't want to. Yeah, I give short shrift to all the texts which are exploding. Jeff, for me, it's in the dark. Um, to me, it's <clears throat> Jeff. My wife and I liked Welcome to Wrexham, where Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, um, he's the guy that did uh, the uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, by a low-level European soccer team. We also enjoyed Old Man with Jeff Bridges. I like Welcome to Wrexham as well. I, I think that was a, a lot of fun, and um, Wrexham is doing really well this year. Yellowstone, yeah, a lot of people yell um, like Yellowstone. Bosch. I have not seen that series yet. I haven't seen the, the TV version. I like The Lincoln Lawyer, and Bosch is based on a character created by Michael Connolly, who is the author who writes the Lincoln Lawyer books as well. Jeff, for me, I love uh, love The Crown. Yeah, I watched um, I watched all the episodes of The Crown this year. I binge watched that. I I liked I liked other years better because this year, if you watch The Crown, it's, it's really kind of soap opera. It's about you know. It's about Charles and Diana, and so I actually found previous years of The Crown more interesting because it it talked about moments in British history and stuff that I really wasn't as familiar with. But I know that's going to be incredibly popular. Jeff, for me, it's Andor, the newest Star Wars story. I loved it because I see a lot, got to see a lot more political version of Star Wars. Jeff, for me, it's for all mankind on Apple TV. That's what our caller Steve just mentioned. A lot of people saying by far Yellowstone was the best. Jeff, my favorite is Ghosts on CBS. Um, Jeff, The Chosen, it's excellent. See, there's so much stuff here that, you know, you, you can't keep up with it. I haven't seen that one either. Blue Blood likes that. A lot of people are mentioning Cobra Kai, which is sort of the sequel to The Karate Kid and stars Ralph Macchio, I think. And that's been around for a couple years. I think, is that on Netflix or Amazon Prime? I think it's on Netflix. But a lot of people 
absolutely love that. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, a lot of people love that. A lot of love for the Star Wars sort of thing. A lot of love for the uh, TV show Ghosts as well. A lot of people love The Crown. All right. Well, here's the the number one. Matter of fact, on the Nielsen list, and I would say we, we probably have at least a half dozen people who are texting in with this. The, the number one most watched show, most streamed show um, this year has been Stranger Things, which is, I think there's like one more year or something left. I watched the first year of that, and then it just... It just it didn't hold my attention enough to go back. So Stranger Things is number one. A lot of people are mentioning that. Number two on the list is something that a lot of you are also mentioning, which is Ozark. And I still, I, I watched the first year and a half of that. I, I do intend to go back and watch the rest of Ozark. Number three on the list, Cobra Kai, which again is the, the Karate Kid remake. Number four is Inventing Anna. And Inventing Anna is the, um, it's kind of like the, a mini series. It's a true life story about this German, this, this woman who fake, uh, you know, posed as a German heiress <clears throat> and how she was able to get away with that. Um, then Bridgerton. Yeah, I've seen Bridgerton. That's pretty good. Uh, the next one on the list is something that I, I have, I, I just on principle, I refuse to watch it, but a lot of people do. It's Dahmer. The, the Dahmer miniseries is number six. Um, for the year, as far as streaming goes, uh, number seven is The Watcher, which is, of course, one of the science fiction things that's there. Turning Red, haven't seen Turning Red. Virgin River, seen Virgin River. The Sandman, Reacher is one that's coming on strong there. And then Better Call Saul, which, uh, of course, that wrapped up its seasons this year. And then uh, The Lincoln Lawyer, which is the miniseries that I think was on Netflix. That's the remake of the, the, the move. There was the Lincoln lawyer movie starring Matthew McConaughey. And then of course there was the uh, original book by Michael Connelly. And then it goes on from there, but it, it is kind of interesting as you see these things, rings of power, which is the Lord of the rings, you know, update. So a lot of those things, but stranger things, the thing that really emerges from this is crime stories and science fiction appears to capture a lot of our attention. Virgin River, number of people saying that. Jeff, for me, it was the conclusion of the Ozark. Of Ozark, Jeff, I really enjoyed the prequel to Yellowstone on Paramount Plus, which is 1883. Yeah, I just, I, as a matter of fact, I just signed up for Paramount Plus, so that's going to be, um, that's definitely going to be one that I'm going to check out. The other one, one of the reasons I got Paramount Plus, and this is how they suck you in. I want to see the new Sylvester Stallone miniseries, Tulsa, USA, where he plays this like crime boss, a mafia guy that's been in prison for like 20 years and then comes out and gets sent to Tulsa. I don't know why, but I, I want to end up seeing um, that as well. number of people saying, Jeff, if you want to watch a really outstanding series, check out 1883, the prequel to Yellowstone. Jeff, for me, it's House of Dragons. Absolutely loved that Jeff, for me, it was the bear on Hulu. Yeah, I watched the bear. That's a um, that's about a, a guy who who used to. Oh gosh, what it was the one that was on on Showtime. He was one of the stars of that. And now he he plays a, a guy who his brother commits suicide, and he he's a he's a classically sh- trained chef, 
and his um, he, he inherits his brother's restaurant, and so it, it, and but the restaurant it's just it's a sandwich place in Chicago where they make Italian beef sandwiches, and I I know it might sound like really odd, but it is a compelling sort of thing. And if you ever wondered like what goes on beyond the scenes and behind the scenes at restaurants, they do that. So the bear does extremely well. A couple people are saying um, Tulsa King, outstanding. Yeah, that's the Sylvester Stallone one I was talking about. Jeff, for me, it's the marvelous Mrs. Meisel. I think this is the last year for that. Ted Lasso, yeah, the new Ted Lasso is coming out sometime soon. That was an outstanding one as well. So uh, the the bottom line is, and, and this is how pop culture has changed for the year. When we would do these topics 20 years ago, and I'd say, okay, okay, what's the most watched television show? We would be talking about broadcast TV. And then gradually it kind of emerged to, all right, let's talk about you know some of the shows that are on cable. Now when we're talking about that the shows that people are just flocking to, interestingly, it's not cable, it's not broadcast TV, it's shows that are being streamed. That is, in fact, the future.